0: This is IFO podcast series, the official podcast from IFO show, the one and only talk show about every IELTS that help you to reach your dream. To all the people watching us at home, you guys might be in the prime age group. And what does this mean? It's the group of young people that are that will be Vietnam's future. And if you are within that group of young people, you probably have a lot of youth issues, right? Or youth questions. You're always wondering, "How can I make my choices? What are some of the things or the opportunities available to me? And who can I speak to so that I can make the right choices?" Well, today's episode is about youth and choices. And I do have a guest that has been involved with youth and education for a really long time. He's been a very, very successful person in terms of making decisions himself. And right now, he's helping youths to do the same. So if you're one of those people that are hoping to get a a tiny bit of inspiration and some ideas as to how to make your own decisions, take a look at the screen and listen to today's episode.
1: My name is Hugh. I study at UCLA, Stanford, and then University of Pennsylvania, the three schools in US. Uh, so I come back in Vietnam a few years ago, and I started my startup journey. So if I use a couple words to tell about myself, I would say, you know, I am a dream maker, and I, I, I really believe in dreams. Uh, see you in the studio.
0: Hugh, you know, I have to say something. Um, I have known about you for a long, long time, and as creepy as it sounds, um, I've been following whatever he does and you know some of the things that he writes about and his activities um, for a number of years now. Even though I've never met you before, so so nice to see you and yes, meet you. Yes, nice to see you. Mm-hmm. So you know, as a person, I think who has been. A tremendous force in our youth's community. Um, how were how you as a youth and maybe just give give the audience a little bit of your history and background.
1: Wow, um, so I would say that, you know, when I was young, I was a normal kid. Very normal. Uh, I love playing soccer. I like to spend, you know, time with my friend rather than in classroom. Um, I, I actually don't have any, you know, like significant academic achievement at all. But then I guess the only thing that, you know, like make my childhood, you know, special was that I, I have a great support from my family. And whenever I say something crazy, they always say, okay, just do it. Just figure out some way to do it. And then that's how things happen in my past. And somehow it led to, you know, like some small wins and then another small win and then big wins. And then somehow, you know, I, I got a chance to go overseas to study, and it opened up my eyes. So I learned a lot over there.
0: Now one of the things that you, you currently do um, is you're very involved in education. Um, and we talked a little bit backstage, and you said you were trained to be a financial consultant. Um, and education is not something that financial consultants often engage in, right? So, so how did your journey to education come about?
1: Yeah, so when I um, did my bachelor, I decided to do math and economics. Because that's something that I'm good at, you know. And then it seems to be a safe choice. And then, so when I graduate, I okay, fine. Uh, let's look at what my friends are doing. And then most of them, you know, jump to the financial world and make a lot of money. So I say, okay, that's that's the career that I'm gonna pick. So I I did two years in the U.S. Uh, for one of the largest banks over there. I came back to Vietnam. I work uh, as a financial consultant for a few years. But then one day. Uh, I remember it was a summer day in 2011. So I came back to my old neighborhood, uh, somewhere in uh, Gò Vấp district in Ho Chi Minh City. So back then, I usually, you know, like came to that playground, play soccer with my friends, and over there, I usually, um, you know, like uh, have uh, coconut juice with that one lady, and then we always call her uh, Mama, you know. And then so she has a little daughter, I believe, maybe 10 years younger than me. So at that time, you know, like one day, I came back to that area. And then one thing popped in my mind is that, okay, let's come to visit that place again, you know, and hopefully see Mama and her little daughter. So I came back there, I saw her, and I saw the little daughter too. And at that time, she was about 15 years old. The only thing that very significant at that time, uh, so everything looked exactly the same. But one thing very uh, you know that made me think a lot, was that that little girl, about 15 years old, maybe 16 years old, she was pregnant at a very early age. And I asked her, what happened?" she didn't know. When I asked Mama, what happened to your daughter, she didn't know. And what even worse is that I asked, okay, so what do you plan for the future? They didn't know either. So they have no plan. The girl never went to school. The girl never learned sex education before. She never learned how to protect herself. She never learned what happened to herself, you know. She just knows that something happened. And that make me think a lot. And I say, okay, look, this is Ho Chi Minh City, the largest city of Vietnam, and things happen right here. So what happened to the rural areas? What happened to thousands and thousands of students out there? And then so I came back to my office in one of the you know, tallest buildings of Ho Chi Minh City at that time. And then I sat in my office and I think, OK, properly, finance is something that gives me a lot of money, but it did not fulfill my life. So let's do something else. And that's how I got started in my education journey.
0: Well, I think it's, you know, I'm glad that you mentioned some of these stories. Because, you know, it's all of the small little life stories that we get to to be able to to experience and observe. Um, And it will actually, if we're Thinking hardly enough about all of these things that we see, you know, it can create a lot of changes to the way that we perceive the world and the way we perceive our cause. Now, so you graduated at a very top U.S. university and you came back to Vietnam and then you decided to continue your education and come back to Vietnam. A lot of people will say, why come back to Vietnam? You know, what, what, what is it about this country that, that makes you want to come back?
1: So, surprisingly, when I was still debating whether I should come back or not, one of my American professors encouraged me to come back. And I still remember this is what he said to me. So he asked me, okay, what do you want to do in your life? I say, okay, I don't know. I finished my... Uh, uh, business school here, you know, I learned a lot about the business world. Uh, I, I'm probably going to find a job. And then he said, okay. I also remember I asked him one more question. How can I do it? How can I spread more opportunities to my friends, to my younger people in Vietnam? And he told me, through education is one of the way. And then so he said, okay, first off, just come back to Vietnam. Do whatever you want, you know, explore the business world there, explore companies and... Your opportunity is there. But then, always keep in mind that, you know, if you have a chance to give opportunities to someone, let's do it. And then that's how I come back.
0: What do you see right now in Vietnam's communities and Vietnam's youths that are very promising? And what do you see are some of the things that really need to be changed immediately?
1: OK. So, again, let me tell you another story. So, I spend a lot of my time going to the rural areas and talk about dreams, talk about, you know, like, inspiration, passion, you know. And then, my target audience, usually um, uh, high school students. So, I remember that one day when I came to Dongkap, I, I spoke to probably about 200 students. And then, right on that evening, I received a call from my mom. And that lady called me and said, I have to complain something to you. Because my son, after seeing you, he came back and he wants to study overseas. And then so that mom discussed with me and said, hey look, I'm a tailor. I make really little money. And his father is a farmer. So, even if he has 100% tuition fee support, we cannot buy his airplane ticket. And what worries me the most is that, you know, when he fail, it's gonna hurt him a lot. When he recognized that, oh, I can never go overseas, it's gonna hurt him a lot. So his mom asked me, like, is there any way that I can talk to the son? Okay, instead of talking to the son, I spend another two hours just try to convince the mom. And the only thing that I'm, I'm trying to tell her is that, let your son dream. It's okay. And it's okay to have a dream that fails, but it's still much better than he never have a dream. And then I know that, you know, after that day, her son started learning English. He's working really hard on his uh, ILs or something like that, you know, and then he working a lot, you know, like a lot on the community pro- projects so that he can get ready for his, uh, you know, sort of like his profile to, uh, to apply for U.S. schools. But then that's exactly one thing that I find very promising about the youth today. They dream. They dream a lot. And they dare to follow their dream. And I think that's something that much better than my generation or maybe your gen- generation before. Because before, we scare more, right? And then, we, we don't dare to dream. But today, they dream a lot. And if you ask me about the challenges, I think like there are a lot of challenges for them. But again, I strongly believe that if they have big dreams, and if they have the right support, they can make it happen. I'm very,
0: very curious. To understand the type of environment that you grew up in, how your parents educated you, how you educated yourself, how you managed to break away from the habits and the thinking habits that was ingrained in your family. Um, how did that happen for you?
1: So, my mom was a teacher. Um, the right way to say is that she used to be a teacher. So, she taught me music, she was a piano teacher. So she, she taught me and, uh, and my big sister how to play piano too. And uh, we started uh, our lesson with her since very young, I, I would say five or six years old. And it just become a daily habit first. You know, every day after school, you do math and my sister do piano lesson, and then we switch roles, you know. At the same time, uh, my mom have developed um, a health issue. So she gradually lost her hearing ability. And by her age of 32, she completely lost her hearing a- ability. So she became a deaf person. And that is something, um, you know, like, happened to my great-grandmother and then grandmother and all my aunts and also my, my mom. So, I guess that's something that we couldn't find. And then, so when I was about 11 or 12 years old, my mom completely lost her hearing ability, but she never told us. So, she even pretended that she was normal. So she was still teaching me playing piano. But obviously she couldn't hear what I play. And then she changed the way that she, she taught me. So back then, you know, like, she listened to me, she said, oh, you played this one wrong, or, or that is not beautiful yet, you know. Now she just sat back, and I look at my body, you know, and say, okay, you have to keep your back straight, you know, you have to keep your chin up, and things like that, you know. So at that time, I just thought, oh, so mom, she changed her teaching style. Maybe because I play very well now, so she's just focused on how I perform. But I never know that, you know, at that time, she became a deaf person. Until a few years after that, there was one day, I still remember that at that time I was ninth grade. I saw her wearing her uh, hearing device. And I asked, what is that? She said, that thing help me hear something. And then at that time, I recognized that she was deaf. I also recognized that she has been deaf for three or four years. And what shocked me the most is that she always kept a very positive attitude. She never cried about it. She never complained. And she just, she just tried to stay as happy as she used to be. She just tried to do everything exactly like how she used to do before. So that actually changed a lot of things in my life. After that, I learned a lot about the deaf community. I learned how to take care of my own. Uh, The day that I decided uh, I want to go study abroad and I won a scholarship to go overseas, I still remember this is exactly what she told me. So he told me that, Hey son, you're about to stay far away from family. You have to keep in mind that there will be a lot of challenges in your life. And there will be some challenge that you could not overcome. But it's okay. It's okay to fail. It's okay to have some challenge that you, you cannot win it. That's fine. Just stay happy. Just stay positive and move on. And so I guess that's, that's a very, very valuable advice from my mom. And that's how you know, I just keep moving on in my life. And then whatever I do, you know I just think about it. As I always tell myself, OK, stay happy and stay positive, and just do it.
0: Now, since we're hinging on the topic of happiness and continuing on, um, I would like to share with you a couple of questions that we get asked a lot on this show, sure, and hopefully you'll get you know you'll help us to shed light also on on the multiple ways we can answer some of those often asked questions um so one of those questions is you know i'm I'm not exactly sure i'm I'm passionate about something at this point in time in my life. you know, do I really need to find my passion or do I just keep on looking and and keep moving on
1: wow that that's a huge question so I have some students ask me that question, too. And this is the four things that I always told them. So I said, okay, that's okay. Probably you don't have your passion yet. You don't know your dream career yet. That's fine. But please make sure that you always know how to answer these four questions. The first thing is that out there, so many things that, people have developed so much knowledge out there, okay? You don't have to know every single thing. But whatever you know, you have to make sure that you really, really know it. So make sure that you you master what you learn because that's important. The second thing is this. Among all the things that you learn and you sort of master, you have to figure out what you can do best with your strength and also with your limitation. And then also among the things that you decided, okay, I can do this or I can do that. Okay, ask yourself this question, and it's really important. Among those things, what brings values to the people around you? Because you don't live yourself. You don't live alone. You live in a community. So pick the things that benefit to everyone too. And then the final question is this. If you decided to do that thing, and you actually do it, when you go home after a long working day, do you smile? And do you want to continue another day just like this? Or is that too much for you? And you don't find happiness anymore? So as long as you answer those four questions clearly in your head, it's okay for you not to have your passion yet. Because I know that when you are young, you have a lot of choices, and then you can go find whatever you know, like the right passion for you. But at least every day, you ask yourself those questions and use that one as the nav- uh, as the navigator for yourself to move on.
0: Wonderful. Um, let's see what other people in the in the audience. You know what kind of questions they have.
1: I have a question for you. So can you tell me some soft of skill importance that youngsters shoes have today? Okay. Sure. Uh, I would say there are three sub-skills that every single student should master. The first one is self-awareness. So you have to know yourself. You have to know what you're good at or what you're weak at because that's really important for you later on in your life. The second thing is this. Uh, You have to know how to self-study because once again, today the world is open. You can learn anything you want from the internet or from open sources, you know. So it's very important for you to know what you want to study and know how to study it. So, self, so self-study is another sub-skill that's very important for you. And then the last one is this, self-discipline. Because I've seen so many people, they have big dreams, they have beautiful dreams. They, they started their own journey, but they couldn't finish it just because they don't have the right motivation and the right discipline for themselves. So discipline yourself whenever you have a goal, you have to work really hard, no, no matter what the cost is, you know. So try to fight for your dream, and then put yourself in the right discipline to make it happen. So, Hugh, before I let
0: you go, um, can you please share with our audience what's one inspirational quote or idiom to help them to be more confident on their journey towards better English?
1: Sure. So, this is something that I used to say to my little kids who study at my uh, swimming program. So, I always told them this. Hey, just jump in and get wet because there is no easy way for you to learn swimming. So, just do it.
0: This is IFO podcast. You can follow IFO on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, or Twitter. If you haven't followed it yet, go to Spotify and follow. Thank you for listening.